We hope you'll be blessed and inspired and challenged and motivated by this fresh word from Christian Heritage Church. Kind of reminds me of the husband that came home from work. He'd had a horrible day and his wife said, honey, I've got some good news and I've got some bad news. Which do you want first? He kind of paused for a minute and said, well, really, I've had a really bad day. Can you give me the good news first? Then it was her time to pause. She thought for a few minutes and said, well, you know our brand new car? The airbags work really well. I've got some good news and bad news. The bad news is we have an enemy. The good news is we serve a Savior who's already defeated him. Jesus Christ has given us everything we need to walk in triumphal procession with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So regardless of what you're facing today, no matter what may be happening in your life, if you'll turn to Jesus, allow Him an opportunity, He will prove to you that He is the good news you've been looking for. So look with me in your Bible this morning to Matthew chapter 6. We're talking about spiritual disciplines. This morning we're going to talk about prayer. And in Matthew chapter 6, you know the scripture we're referring to. It's commonly known as the Lord's Prayer. It's actually the model that Jesus gave us that we should follow or can follow when we're praying. Beginning in verse 5, Jesus said these words from Matthew chapter 6. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. His point is, when you pray, don't worry about what other men think. Don't try to impress someone else. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. Verse 6, But when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. So he's giving them a new model in prayer. Now you remember we talked last week that the Sermon on the Mount, which this is a part of, deals with taking the Jews out of legalism into relationship. Out of the routines of religion, out of the laws and the, and the prescribed means of doing things to come to God into a living relationship with the Father who loves them and cares for them. So Jesus is saying, I want you to change your prayer game. Don't do it out in the streets where everybody can hear you, but rather... Go into your closet and shut the door. And when you choose to do that, then your Father is going to hear and honor you when you're not praying for the benefit of someone hearing other than your Heavenly Father. So we continue reading. It says in verse 7, And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think they'll be heard for their many words. In other words, a prayer can simply be Jesus. A prayer can simply be, Help me. You don't have to have a whole litany of prayers in order to impress God. It just comes from your hearts. And then he says in verse 8, Don't be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask. In this manner, pray. In other words, after this pattern, in this model, model your prayers. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. The first thing that he tells us to do is to recognize who God is and the power God holds. We have a Father in heaven, and we should worship, exalt, praise His name. So when you come to God in prayer, why don't you pause for a minute and just thank Him for being so good. Just thank Him for being true to Himself. Thank Him for being wonderful and worthy of your praise and of your worship, and to receive your prayers. Do you realize that people the world over are praying to gods that don't hear? 
They're praying to gods of wood and stone and ivory. They're praying to gods that have been formed and fashioned by the hands of man. But those gods don't hear them. But we have the assurance, Jesus tells us, when we pray, our Father hears us. That's good news. That should make every one of us stand up and shout, Hallelujah. I have a God who hears me. Matter of fact, this week of fasting and prayer, I've been getting testimonies in from what God is doing. Yesterday, I shared it with you this morning in the email. Yesterday, I had a text message from a lady who said, uh, please pray for my grandson. He's sick. He's running a fever. Fevers cause seizures with him. So it can be very, very serious. So I prayed for him, agreed with her. This morning, I had a text message from the same lady. She said, this morning, my grandson woke up and said, I can't thank Jesus enough for healing me. Oh, somebody needs to know that when God can respond to our faith, He does great things in our lives. It wasn't my prayer, her prayer. It was the faith of that child that brought relief and healing into his life. I, I say that to encourage you as parents, teach your kids how to pray. Take the time every day to teach them how to pray. Whether it's of a morning before they go to school and start their day, or of a night as they end their day, find a time to put that into their spirit. I'll never forget the story that Miss Couture told me a few years ago. Miss Couture, children's pastor, she has two little girls, Alexis and Taylor. They're what, seven and five, if I'm remembering correctly? Six and seven. All right, I'm off a little bit there. Anyway, they were in the room and they were fighting just a little bit, but Taylor remembered the power in Jesus' name. And she said to Alexis, her older sister, shut up in Jesus' name. She's putting something in their spirit. Teach your kids how to pray. It's something that will bode them well in the days and the years ahead as they face the difficulties of life and the circumstances that they'll have to endure. He went on to say, your kingdom come, your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. I want you to understand he's not saying in earth, excuse me, not saying, let uh, my will be done on earth. He's saying, let your will be done in my life on earth, as it's being done in heaven. We need to understand that it's not about my will, it's about His will. And then He goes on to say, give us this day our daily bread, forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. The King James says, evil All the newer translations say evil one, referring to Satan and his henchmen. For if yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, amen and amen. And I like verses 14 and 15 because they tell us the requirement for answered prayer. It says, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So that's a challenge to some of us in this room today. There are obstacles, things blocking our prayer life. One of those very well could be the fact that we've chosen to be bitter rather than to be forgiving. We've chosen to show resentment and anger and retaliation rather than grace and mercy. So can I challenge you this morning, if you're in a position in a place where someone has harmed you and hurt you, and you've had a difficult time getting past that, the first thing you have to do is forgive them. Because until you forgive them... God cannot unlock His forgiveness in your heart and in your life. So forgive them. Let it go. Bury it. Find a grave. Bury it deep. And then don't mark it so you can't go back and mourn over it ever again. Get past it. And let the forgiveness of God begin to do a work of amazing grace in your hearts and in your life. 
So we see this scripture and we understand that three times in these verses, when you read it in verse 5, verse 6, and verse 7, three times Jesus said, when you pray. Now, he didn't command us to pray, but it's an implied command. That if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, prayer will be a part of your life. Now, I know this seems boring to a lot of folks, but I've got to help you understand this morning that prayer is the most effective and powerful thing that you can do for yourself, for your family, and for your church, and for your future. You need to be praying people. And it doesn't mean that you have to have this whole long prayer memorized. It means you simply recognize that I need to find a time every day and talk to God. Because prayer is designed not to be a monologue, me simply spewing everything out, but a dialogue where I can praise and worship Him and thank Him for His goodness in my life. And then I can live my request to Him. I can ask Him to forgive and cleanse me, and then I can receive from Him. Amen? And allow God to do something new and fresh and mighty in my life. So three times Jesus said, when you pray. As we're in a time of fasting and prayer, it's very important that we couple fasting with prayer. Because if we don't, really all we're doing is a diet. Amen. That's right. Thank you, Ann. All we're doing is a diet if we don't also spend time to pray and to seek God. We use the time that we would normally use in whatever activity we're fasting ourselves from to spend with God. It's not enough just to say, I'm going to skip lunch. We'll skip lunch and go spend that time with God. Spend that time investing in your spiritual well-being and allowing God to speak into your heart and to speak into your life. Several things Jesus tells us about prayer. Prayer is not repetition. Prayer is not for the attention or the hearing of men. Prayer is not to show someone or impress someone with my deep spirituality. It's to talk to God. It's to pour my heart out to God. It's so God can understand what's going on in me. So when I think about all these things that Jesus talks about in our text this morning, I recognize first and foremost, prayer is a personal thing. It's a personal thing. It's between me and God. Now, there's nothing wrong with corporate prayer. We do that. I believe in it. But I believe that before I pray publicly, I better pray personally and privately. I better make it a private, personal thing between me and God. 1 Samuel chapters 1 and 2 tell us the story of a woman who practice private prayer. Most of you in the room have heard of Hannah. I'm not going to take a long time to develop this illustration. We'll talk about it as we end the service. But in 1 Samuel chapter 1, you'll read the story of Hannah, who desperately desired a child, but she couldn't have one. She was barren. And every year when they went to the temple in Jerusalem to offer their sacrifices, Hannah would pray, God, give me a child. God, give me a child. You need to understand... Her life wasn't very pleasant. Her husband loved her. He favored her. Chapter 1 tells us that he would give her twice as much as he gave to his other wife, Paniah. But Paniah, the other wife, made Hannah's life miserable. She was always telling her, you don't measure up because you can't have children. You have to understand the culture. That was a part of that culture. A woman bearing children was very, very expected, and it showed that they were blessed in that culture. So Hannah went every year to the gateposts of the temple. And she knelt down and she prayed. When you read 1 Samuel chapter 1, it says she didn't eat and she didn't sleep. She didn't eat and she didn't sleep. So in the account we read, Eli the high priest finds her kneeling at the gatepost. And he sees a woman who's an absolute wreck. 
She hasn't slept. She hasn't ate. She is moving her lips, but no sound is coming out. If he were to look at her, if you were to look at her today, you'd say, that woman's a hot mess. She was just one mess of a woman. And when he looked at her, he thought she was drunk. He thought that by her appearance and because of her actions. He thought she was drunk. Uh, Kind of picture that with me in your mind, will you? A woman who hasn't slept, she hasn't ate. Obviously, she didn't take a bath or a shower either. She was very, very unkept. And she has wept until there's no more tears in her. She's pouring her heart out to God. And Eli said, why are you here when you're drunk? And she said, oh no, I'm not drunk. It's not what you think. I'm praying, I'm asking God for a child. It's the only thing I desire. And I've been praying again and again and again for God to meet me and give me a child. Eli the high priest said, it's going to happen. You can take it to the bank. God has heard your prayer. He's going to answer your request. You will have a child. Interesting thing is, as soon as he said that to her, she got up, she cleaned up, she had some food because she chose to believe God. Now, someone in this room this morning is in the same position. You're just a mess. Your life is out of control. You don't understand why God hasn't heard you. I've come to tell you this morning, this is the day. God will hear and answer. What God has promised, as He said to Abraham of old, He is able also to perform. It's time to understand that God is not weak concerning His promises, as some men call weakness. But God is long-suffering. He is here today to hear your heart cry and to answer you. Today's your day. That should be good news for you this morning. God is going to hear you and answer you. So another account of an individual pouring his heart out to God is found in Psalm 142. Turn there in your Bible with me, please, and just leave it open, because we're going to look at this verse by verse. The story is about David, who years previously had been anointed to be the king over Israel. But at this point in time, he wasn't the king of anything. Matter of fact, he was an outlaw. Saul was pursuing him to kill him. David took and he went to the cave of Adullam and he hid. And when he got there, if you read the story in Samuel, it says that he found 400 men who were disgruntled, who were disgraced, who were disavowed, men who were in desperate trouble with the law. He found 400 of these guys there. And David built them into a mighty army that continued to fight the Philistines. But in this account in Psalm 142... David is pouring his heart out to God because of the circumstance. He was anointed to be the king, but now he's being sought for his very life. So look at verses 1 and 2 with me. It says, I cry out to the Lord with my voice. With my voice to the Lord I make supplication. I pour my complaint before him. I declare him. I declare before him my trouble. When we pray, folks, it's okay to be real honest with God. Do you understand God already knows what you're going through? Do you understand you're not going to surprise Him? Your circumstances, the events of your life, the trouble you're in, is not going to cause God to fall off His throne. He already knows where you're at. He already knows what you're dealing with. He already knows the pain that's in your soul. It's time to be honest with God. And when you read Psalm 142, you find a man who chooses to be honest with God. Some people read the Psalms. Matter of fact, I can remember years ago, a man told me after he had recently been saved, every, every time I read the Psalms, it sounds like whining and complaining. No, you don't understand. 
the psalmist is being honest with God. He's simply laying it out there. Now, this is a real good thing to do in your closet, not in public. Just to give you a little tip. If you don't want people to talk about you and gossip about you, think maybe you went off the deep edge. Why don't you pray these things to God? Amen? So David is praying to God. And he said, I cry out to the Lord. When you look at that word crowd in Hebrew, it means he literally screams in anguish to the Lord. He's distraught. He's distressed because of the things that are happening in his life that he didn't plan for. So when he pours his heart out to God, he's believing that God hears him and that God will do something about his request and his condition. David doesn't pray just to pray. Listen to me. A friend will only go so far. A friend can only tolerate so much. A friend can only help to some degree. But when you turn to God and you pour your heart out to God, He hears, He answers, He responds. He's full of grace and mercy and compassion. He's not judging you. He's there to help you. He wants to give you a hand up and a hand out. But it all begins when you pour your heart out to Him. When you stop wearing the facade, the mask, We're okay. We talked about it last week. There's a thousand ways that you can hide behind your pride and tell people I'm okay. Well, I'm telling you the way to get it out is to go into your closet and pour your heart out to God and say, God, I don't know. I don't understand. I don't have an answer, but I know you do. Oh, come on, folks. When you don't know what to do, don't say why to God. Say, what are you teaching me in this circumstance? You see, when you come to God and you're constantly saying why about what you're going through, you're saying, I don't trust you. I don't believe your plan is good for my life. I believe you may have forgotten me. But when you come to God and say, God, this is what I'm going through. I can't deal with it. When you pour your heart out to him and you say, show me the way. Get me out. Take me through. God has an opportunity to respond. So David went into that place and he began to pray. And he poured out his heart to God because he understood God always hears, God always understands, and God always listens with compassion. Do you know there's a difference between listening and listening with compassion? There's a huge difference. There's a lot of folks I can... Matter of fact, let me just tell you a story. It's easiest way to illustrate it. There was a kid in the first church that I pastored that was... When he was 13 years old, he was hopped up on dope, got in a fight, got hit in the head... And he was paralyzed on his right side for the rest of his life. Well, from that moment forward, Keith was always griping, complaining, because God had failed him. Time out! God didn't fail you. God didn't force those drugs into your system. God didn't put you in a place where someone was going to get mad and you are going to get in a fight and you would be injured for the rest of your life. That was not God's fault. Now you're going to think I'm really harsh when I make this next statement. After about three years of dealing with his whining and complaining, I got fed up. And I looked at him and I said, Keith, nothing's going to change until you change. My complaint was gone. And I wanted to see some action. But God always listens with compassion. God always responds with compassion. He's always there with His arms open to welcome you, to love you, to help you, to strengthen you. My patience may be exhausted. My compassion may end. But I am so glad that His compassions and His mercies are new to me every single day. Oh, come on, folks. you got a guy that's limited here in his ability. But I'm pointing it to a God who is unlimited. 
So pour your heart out to God. Number two, we can pour our heart out to God because God knows who we are and where we are. God knows our circumstance. Verse 3 of Psalm 142. When my spirit was overwhelmed within me, then you knew my path. Then you knew my path. Let me say it one more time. Then you knew my path. When did he know my path? When I was overwhelmed. When I was at the end of my rope. When I couldn't do it any longer. When I was ready to give up. When I couldn't find an answer. When the pastor didn't help me. Then you knew my path. Oh, someone needs to hear that this morning. You're in that place. And he's saying, I know the way out. I've already got it figured out. All you have to do is follow me. Then you knew my path in the way in which I walk. Sometimes we seem to live in cycles of overwhelming pain and circumstances and anxieties that we have no answer for it. So we get out of one problem and into another one. We solve one issue and then we're faced with a bigger one. When we are overwhelmed, the Bible says, then you knew my path. When I don't know what to do, when I don't know which way to go, I can pour my heart out to God because God sees the way out. And He knows the way out is forward. He knows the way out is a journey if we'll simply follow Him. Psalm 61, 2, the same psalmist David wrote, When my heart is overwhelmed, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. He didn't say, when my heart is overwhelmed, Take me to the medicine cabinet and give me his annex. He didn't say when my heart is overwhelmed, let me call the pastor and complain to him. He didn't say when my heart is overwhelmed, let me burden my best friend with all my troubles. He said when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Do you know that rock is Jesus? And He never fails. He's always there. He'll never turn you away. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Psalm 94, 19, He says, In the midst of all my anxieties, in the midst of all my anxieties, You comfort my soul. Let me say it again. When my heart is overwhelmed, God knows the path. God knows the way out. God understands where He wants to take us and how He wants to lead us. And it's only up to you and I to find a place with Him. Listen to His voice and then to allow Him to lead us out. And then number three, we can pour our heart out to God because we know God cares. And God cares about you. God cares about me. God cares about us so much He knows the exact number of hairs on your head. God cares about you so much He understands every detail of your life, no matter how minute, no matter how insignificant, he understands and he knows. And because of that, he cares for you and me. For you and me. Look at verse 4 of Psalm 142. Look on my right hand and see. There is no one who acknowledges me. You know what David is saying? When I look around, I don't even have a friend in this world. There's nobody I can turn to. Nobody acknowledges me. There's no one I can lean on. Refuge has failed me. Where is he at? He's in a cave. He's not in a palace. He's not even in his father's house in Bethlehem. He's in a cave in the backside of the wilderness. And he said, refuge has failed. There is no safe place. I can't find any place where everything is okay. No one cares for my soul. What he's saying is friendship has its limits. 
What he's saying is there are times in our life when only God can bear the weight that's upon us. When only God can comfort us and helps us through. Matter of fact, we can read it on down in verse 5. He said, but then I cried out to you, O Lord. I said, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. He understood that even though there isn't someone in flesh to help him, there was a God in the heaven who was there to help him. He is my refuge. He is my portion. He is who and what I need. I love the way the hymn writer of old wrote it. I think his name was Joseph Scriven. He wrote these words. What a friend we have in Jesus. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. How often, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. Every, every, just because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. That's a great old song. If you haven't heard it, you've got to listen to it on YouTube. What a friend we have in Jesus. It helps you to understand we have a refuge. God cares for us. He's provided a way for you and I to make it when things are difficult. Number four, we learn from the Scripture, we can pour our heart out to God because God's timing is perfect. He's never late and He's never early. He's always right on time. His timing is perfect. Look at verse 6. Attend to my cry, for I'm brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are stronger than I. Remember, where was David? He was in a cave. What was he doing? He was hiding from Saul because Saul wanted to kill him. And he wrote these words, Hear my cry, I'm low, deliver me from my persecutors, because they're stronger than I. Here's a challenge for you and some homework. Look at the scripture and see how many times God's people were outnumbered by the enemy. And how many times God came through. I've come to tell someone in this room this morning, odds don't matter in the kingdom of God. It doesn't matter what's stacked against you as long as God is on your side. Gideon took 300 men and defeated an army of 125,000 because God was on his side. Oh, hear me. Odds are insignificant if you're in the kingdom of God. That's what David understood. God's on my side. It doesn't matter who's against me. God is able to carry me through. So the question is, did God deliver David? Oh, yes, he did. Did David eventually rise to that place of king of Israel? Yes, he did. And under his reign, Israel grew to its widest expansion. Peace prevailed. The enemies were conquered. Because in that cave, David learned this secret. When I go into the secret place and I pour my heart out to God, God begins to answer. God begins to prove himself faithful. God begins to show up in my life. God begins to deliver me and rescue me and help me and bring my destiny to pass when I choose not to complain to my friends, not to complain to the pastor, but when I choose to pour my heart out with God. God does great things. He is always perfect. And then number five, we can pour our heart out to God because God can change me. 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 Say that with me. God can change me. God can change me. You don't have to be a hot mess when you leave this place this morning. God can change you. God can change you. Look at verse 7. Bring my soul out of prison that I may praise your name. The righteous shall surround me for you shall deal bountifully with me. 
From the depths of that cave, David didn't just pray, bring me out of the cave. But rather, I love the phrase, bring my soul out of prison. And this is how we apply it. What prison are you in today? Are you in a prison of unforgiveness? A prison of hatred? A prison of retaliation? A prison of bitterness? A prison of failure after failure after failure? And you think there's no hope? What are you in? God wants to bring you out of that prison. See, when I read that verse, it tells me this. God is more interested in delivering us from our circumstances. Excuse me. God is more interested in delivering us from ourselves than we are being delivered from our circumstances. See, more than anything, God wants to do a work in Steve. He wants to do something eternal in me. And when I choose to pray, to shut myself in with Him, pour my heart out to Him, lift my request to Him, it gives Him an opportunity to do something in me. Something that's deep and lasting and abiding to break the prison doors and to lead me into victory, into peace, into joy, into the promises of God. God may be more interested in delivering us from us than delivering us from our circumstances. Now understand, when He delivers us from us, He's going to take us through that circumstance. You see, we're the type of people that we want God to show up, get it all out of the way, and make my life one that's just peace and joy and happiness and all so wonderful all the time. But many times God takes us through the circumstance to teach us, to prove Himself to us, to show that He is worthy of our trust. I mean, think about it. He didn't take the three Hebrew children out of the fire. They went through the fire. And in the fire, He showed up. He didn't spare Daniel from the lion's den. He let him go into the lion's den. But in the lion's den, He showed up. Oh, somebody hear me this morning. Pray that God will change me today. Because you're most interested in. You and I becoming vessels of His honor and of His glory, taking these jars of clay, as Paul said it. One of the newer versions says these mud jars, and turning us into something that brings honor and glory to Him. Oh, God, change me. God, change me. Tom, will you come back, please? God, change me this morning. What if we had the courage to pray, God, change me before you change my circumstance? God, change me before you change that obstacle. God, change me before anything else occurs in my heart and in my life. See, and this is what happens when we begin to pray, then God pours out His grace. Back to 1 Samuel chapter 2. You remember Hannah? We left her sitting at the doorpost. She was a hot mess. She had cried and wept until there was nothing left. A broken woman in a mess. And Eli said to her, you're going to have a child. So then we look to the end of 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 20. It says, before the year was out, Hannah conceived and gave birth to a son. And she named him Samuel, saying, I ask God for him. He was a gift from God. And then in verse 28, it says Hannah's words, I prayed for this child. God gave me what I asked for. And now I dedicate him to God. He's dedicated to God for life. Then... She worshipped God. And then you jump to chapter 2. I don't have time to read it, but verses 1 through 10 of 1 Samuel chapter 2 are Hannah's song of praise. Remember, we just saw her. She was at the gates of the posts of the temple. She was weeping. She was a wreck. She was a mess. 
She heard a word from the high priest, from God. She actually gave birth to a son within a year. Now, how long had she been praying for this child? For years. Years she had prayed, God, give me a son. But when she heard the word of the Lord, she chose to believe it, receive it, and stand on it. She went home, and within a year, she gave birth to Samuel. And now after Samuel is weaned, we jump to 1 Samuel chapter 2. And she's bringing this child back and dedicating him to the Lord. And in those first ten verses of 1 Samuel chapter 2, she said these words in verse 1, My heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. I smile at my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. Oh, hear me. First God brought a change in her, then He changed her circumstances. Someone get that in your spirit this morning. Before it changes out there, it's got to change in here. God is more interested in changing you than He is in changing your circumstance. Why is that? Spiritual truth, are you ready? This is really deep. You ready? You probably want to write this down. This is so deep. Because if all God does is change our circumstance, He knows it's only a little while until we're right back there asking for the same thing. Because we're always in trouble. We always have problems. There's always going to be an obstacle. So pray, God, change me before you change my circumstance. And when you change me, I can deal with the circumstance. Your grace, your mercy, your provision flows fresh through me every day. And I can see you do what's great in my life. And had one desire, and that was for a child. For years she had prayed. Finally she heard from God, and she had that that child. And then as she had that child, Samuel, she offered him back to God. You see, in the midst of your circumstance, there's a testimony. There's something that you can look back on and say... Look what the Lord has done. This is where I am. This is what I came through. This is where I am today. This is what I've learned. This is how I've grown because I chose to go to the secret place and pour my heart out to God. Oh, come on, folks. I hope you get this word this morning. I hope it sinks into your spirit and you recognize what Hannah recognized. That what she received wasn't nearly as big as what she found. She found a faithful God whose promises are ever true. She found a sufficient God who's more than enough. She found a healing God who could open her barren womb and cause a son to be born from her. Oh, come on, folks. It doesn't matter where you're at. God is the answer. He's all you need this morning. So I ask, is your heart overwhelmed? Pour it out to God. Are you facing something you can't solve? Pour it out to God. Let God do something fresh and new and wonderful in your life today. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Across this room this morning, you say, Pastor, you spoke directly to me. That's exactly what I needed to hear. I have something in my life that I can't conquer. I can't overcome. I need God to help me. And I want to respond to that word. I want to respond to the Holy Spirit. And I want to give God an opportunity to do something in my life today. Because I want to find what Hannah of old found. I want to find what David of old found. I want to find a faithful God who's more than sufficient to meet my need. That's you. 
I want to pray especially for you this morning. If that's you right where you're sitting, would you slip up that hand and say, pray for me? Yes, 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 yes. You'll join these many who've raised their hand. Others, that's me. I need God to do something in me. Yes, yes. Stand your feet with me this morning across this room. Every one of you, if you raise your hand, I want you to step out. I want to pray for you personally this morning. I simply want to be able to lay my hands on you and pray that God would meet you. If you raised your hand, would you step out and come? Don't leave. We're going to receive communion in just a moment. But this is the moment we allow God to seal His Word in the heart of these individuals. Come on. You raised your hand, or maybe you didn't and you should have. Then come on down. We want to pray for you right now. I'm waiting for you. God's here to meet you. He wants to minister life to you, hope and strength. He wants to show you His sufficiency. He wants to prove to you that He's able, that God wants to minister life to you this morning. Come on down. If that's you, come on and join these who are coming. We're waiting on you. Come on down. Yvonne, come and help me. Pastors, stand behind them. Elders and deacons, would you come and stand right behind these individuals, please? Put your hand on their shoulders as well. Elders and deacons, come and help me as we pray. Tom, just if you want to sing is fine. We're going to pray for these individuals. Our prayer is that God will take this word and plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. Father, we pray for your great wisdom to infiltrate this listener, draw them to you, and take them gently down the road to their next destination in life. And if you're in need of a home church, we invite you to join us at Christian Heritage Church on Shera Road in Tallahassee, Florida. A multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. For a worship service where the presence of God has first place, you're invited to Christian Heritage Church. Sunday morning service is at 10.30, Wednesday evening at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For all the latest information, visit our website, chctoday.com.